Tennessee Wildcast is live on the air with the latest on hunting, fishing, boating, and all things outdoors. Make welcome your host, drummer and outdoor expert novice, Jason Harmon. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Tennessee Wildcast. I'm Jason Harmon, and this is, uh, uh, you're live on Facebook. We're live on Facebook today, and uh, this show is uh, about CWD. If you've seen the title, uh, we are going to be talking CWD today. It has been uh, found in Tennessee, and uh, we wanted to get the word out to you. Uh, fewer press releases have already went out. Uh, information is on our website, and uh, we've made a few Facebook posts about it, but we want to get it out today to everybody and uh, let everybody know what the commission has ruled on. Um, we have uh, Mr. Joe Benedict, our chief of wildlife with us today. And uh, Mr. Dan Grove, Dr. Dan Grove, he's a wildlife veterinarian with the University of Tennessee Extension and also acts as our wildlife veterinarian for the Tennessee Wildlife Resources Agency. So glad to have you guys. Thanks for having me. Um, pull your mics on up there if you don't mind, just so we make sure we hear you today and get good audio. We want to let everybody know what's going on. This is probably one of the biggest uh, findings, one of the biggest things that can happen in a state for uh, wildlife professionals. Uh, and. Um, it's uh, something we didn't want to find, but it's here, and uh, wouldn't y'all say the same, that this is pretty big, pretty big deal? It's definitely a big thing. Um, Dan, you've you've experienced, or you've been around, or worked in states that had CWD, so you're you're familiar with with uh, with this and how it affects the state. Uh, tell us a little bit about your, your perspective on that. Go ahead. <laughs> sorry, just couldn't hear over the music. Oh, there. sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, no. In terms of CWD, uh, you know, the one of the most critical things is that we collect an appropriate amount of data in the beginning, so that we can make our decisions appropriately of how we want to manage it. We need to get spatial data. We need to get uh, prevalence data, um, and um, you know, and there's basically deer densities. There's a lot of other information that we need to collect before we can start making um, long-term management goals. And so uh, part of what uh, we'll cover here today in terms of the rule that was uh, enacted today as well as the proclamation are steps in order to get us that information for the little bit of the season that is left um, so that we can better inform ourselves for our long-term management goals in the, in the areas that we, we have found CWD. Um, so, Joe, let's let's move on and, and, and let's let everybody know what the commission has decided today. Uh, tell us what we've found and what the next steps are going to be. Sure. I uh, think for those folks that have just now tuned into this issue, I uh, just want to sort of, uh, instead of using the acronym, start with CWD stands for chronic wasting disease. There you go. Thank you. And so um, it's, it's kind of a bad thing for sure. So the Tennessee Fish and Wildlife uh, Commission uh, met this morning uh, in a special meeting. They took two actions, uh, and they were both passed, as I'll share them here momentarily. Okay. Uh, the first is a rule change, and uh, both of these, this rule and this proclamation, action was taken by the, the commission. Um, from here, it goes downtown to get signed by a few folks um, in the Secretary of State's office before it becomes effective. But, but all these have been passed by the commission unanimously. So the first thing is a rule, uh, which is a little different. Uh, it's a little longer term, a little more involved than a proclamation. Uh, but the rule, there's three parts of this rule, and I'll, I'll read through pieces of these. I won't read the whole thing. But the first section of this rule, uh, which for those who may want to look this up later, 
1660-01-34. This first part is .01, and it establishes the chronic wasting disease management zone. So this is a rule that establishes a special zone uh, to allow us to do things uh, like Dr. Grove uh, mentioned about sampling and and doing taking other specific actions. So within this chronic wasting disease management zone, (coughs) excuse me, there are three other zones. One is a core area, one is a high-risk area, and one is a buffer area. So the core area is the five miles uh, from the positive deer. The high-risk area was is 10 miles, and the buffer area is 25 miles. So it establishes those zones. Okay. Uh, point zero two is a um, – I'll just read this part. It's exportation of wildlife carcasses, parts, and products from a chronic wasting disease zone. So those of you that have, have followed Jason and Wildcast and the agency – um, know that we currently have restrictions on bringing animals in from outside the state that, that hunters have harvested either an adjacent state or out west. When you bring those animals in, you have to follow certain things. We want boned out meat. We want um, skull plates that are clean and various things. And so the the uh, the pieces in this rule are those exact um, requirements uh, from within this um, high risk area as from outside of the state. So that's consistent. Right. So but people should be familiar with those if you've been hunting this year and hunted out of state uh hopefully you were familiar with those import restrictions and those are the same same ones that'll that'll apply to these new zones right now jason i think we'll show a map in a minute of what the counties are just yes. so folks have that so the third and final piece of this rule which is point zero three uh regards feeding of wildlife within a chronic wasting disease zone and so um i'll read this one as well within the high risk area of a chronic wasting uh disease management zone the placement of grain, salt products, minerals, and other consumable natural and manufactured products is prohibited. There are a few um, prohibitions that do not apply. Uh, those uh, feed placed within 100 feet of a residence, uh, feed placed in a manner to reasonably exclude access by deer, feed placed as part of a wild hog management effort. We, we have ongoing uh, agency-authorized wild hog uh, management uh, efforts that we might need to continue to bait. And then feed and minerals presented so solely as a result of normal ag practices. So these, uh, this information will be available on our website shortly. But again, just these are important um, pieces of a response to chronic wasting disease that the agency and, and the commission as well uh, felt important to do. Okay. And now let's move on to the proclamation, which will uh, kind of set the, the, the rules and the boundaries for the rest of the season, correct? Yes. So this is Proclamation 18-15. The title of this is a special hunting season within a chronic wasting disease zone. So we just talked about the chronic wasting disease zones. This proclamation mirrors what was in the rule. So there's three pieces, this core area, this high-risk area, and the buffer area. Okay. So do we have those behind us? Yeah, I pulled it up on the screen so folks that are watching can see this. And when we talk about the the different high-risk and the buffer and the core, we can just kind of show that. So So the high-risk area... Uh, is the 10-mile radius from the positives. In this case, we've got multiple positives, uh, 10 in fact so far. And so we took the cumulative uh, area of the 10 miles from all of those samples, and that results in the red counties that you see behind me. I feel like a weather person a little bit. Yeah, so that's Fayette, Hardman, and McNary are the red counties. Exactly. So that, again, that's just to use a common language, that's the high-risk area of the chronic wasting disease management zone. Uh, So the Commission's Proclamation, 1815, uh, basically reaffirmed, reiterated, redefined these hi- these areas, um, indicated that we're going to maintain a map and publish that on the Internet. Uh, again, want to hit this one more time, that the, the entirety of the county, those three counties, Fayette, Hardeman, McNary, 
are included in the high-risk area. It's not a part of a county. It's the entire counties. Okay. So we've got samples that continue to come in, and, th and that, m that may change, which really means expand. Um, so the next couple pieces are the important part uh, when we talk to hunters who are our partners in this. Uh, as Dr. Grove mentioned, the intent um, and the need for the agency from now until the end of the hunting season, which will be expanding based on this proclamation, is to obtain <coughs> lymph node samples from hunter-harvested deer. We need to get those samples up in these areas. So the commission passed a, um, a regulation creating a new hunting season. Before they did that, cre <coughs> they created a new CWD unit. So hunters are familiar with Unit L, ABC, other things. This is a new CWD unit, which includes these three counties, Hardeman, Fayette, and McNary County. Um, there well, is. Can I ask one question there? Sure. Will this unit uh, continue through next year? So this is going to be a, a unit that we keep from here on out? It's, it's likely we will. Okay. Um, there's going to be a lot of work between the end of this season and the beginning of next season on once we get those samples, we determine the prevalence rate and also the distribution, what that means. So it's very likely that this CWD unit will will remain and persist. Okay. Uh, right. So, so for this year, uh, the agency created a new CWD unit, and they also created a, C a new deer season within that unit. Right. So we've got ongoing seasons that go for another couple of weeks. Within these three counties, uh, the season dates now – for this uh, CWD uh, deer season is January 7th through January 31st, 2019. Now, the 31st, that's an end date um, that mirrors Mississippi season, which obviously is right across the border. Okay. The antler deer, or the buck limit, is one. So this is a this is an addition. If you've already shot two bucks, <clears throat> during those days, you can shoot another one. Okay. Um, and then the antlerless bag, it, there's no daily bag limit. There's no season limit. So, again, January 7th through the 31st of, of next year, one buck during the, that season, no limit to, to antlerless deer, and the weapon types are archery, muzzleloader, and gun, and anything is allowed there. Okay. So another piece of this, Jason, is item G. Um, all the WMAs, the wildlife management areas, and other public land on which deer hunting activities is allowed now during the regular season, those will also be open during this special season. So we have Wolf River. We have some other areas that people can hunt that are public lands. Okay. Here's a piece for our hunters, and um, we know this will be um, it'll be a lot of work for our staff. Uh, but we we it's very important that we do this. We had a lot of discussion around this. So um, on or after December 29th, 2018, all hunters harvesting deer within the high risk area, these three counties, on weekends, which are Saturday and Sundays, shall be required to check the deer in at a physical check station. Now, we've not located these yet. We're working on logistics of how many there are and where they are. But uh, this is a way for us to use those weekends where we have a lot of hunters out there, a lot of the harvest is concentrated, uh, to ask them to come in. Actually, this requires them to come in and uh, let us take those samples from them. Again, the idea is we want to have the best response we can uh, for the hunter's sake, uh, for the economy around hunting, the, the leaseholders, lease um, processors, taxidermists, and we want we need to get a handle on uh, how far uh, this disease is spread, and then the prevalence rate. So that's that's going to be an important part. And it's a big change. We've been moving away from physical check stations for a number of years. Um, for these weekends, which are, I guess, four or five weekends, mm -hmm. uh, folks will have to come and check there. And then, again, the last piece of this proclamation is the uh, the importation restrictions must be followed based on the rule that we just shared. Okay. So that's the proclamation, Jason. So uh, while we're right there on that page, can, we, can you tell the hunters – what happens during the week, Monday through Friday? 
Good point. So we've got some, uh, I think we've put some information out about this. Again, it'll be coming here again shortly as well. We've got a what we're calling a freezer program. Uh, it's a drop-off location, kind of a self-serve. Uh, we'll have freezer locations. Again, a map will be on the website. Uh, these will be at, um, I think it was we one at Wolf River. They might be at fire departments, other places that kind of are public areas. We'll have a list of those out there. We'll have a list of those. There'll be a chest freezer. There'll be instructions, detailed instructions there. Everything you need will be there. If you harvest a deer during the week, um, go to that uh, ch- check station and basically cut the head off, leave about six inches of the neck, mm-hmm. put it in a bag, tag it with your name and information, put it in the freezer, and our staff will come pick it up. We'll pull the sample and then discard that uh, properly. Okay. And do the hunters need to uh, check those in online as well or the other ways to check a deer in, yes. get a confirmation number and all that stuff still applies? Yes, absolutely. Okay. But mandatory on the weekends to find a, a check station correct not this coming weekend not two days from now. we're out during that season but the following week um it'll be mandatory january december 29th or december 29th gotcha until gotcha. the end of january in those three counties okay the high risk zone which it, are fayette hardeman and mcnary right okay. again just i want to thank hunters ahead of time for for bearing with us as we ask them to do this we, we realize it's a little bit of a burden for them they have to drive a little distance to find one of these locations but it, we, we really value your participation uh, to help get the sample size up that we need to to make a proper assessment. Okay. So there's the new rule and the proclamation that was just uh, uh, voted in today, and it'll go through another day of processing, and we'll be out there on the web, and uh, all the information will be available to you, but uh, you're hearing it here first. Um, so we do have a zone established. Uh, it's the Fayette, Hardman, and McNary counties. Um and if you're looking at the screen, if you're watching this, you can see that. Um, let's uh, let's jump to uh, let uh, Dan talk a little bit about chronic wasting disease. Uh, you know, we've been trying to educate on this and, and put out a lot of information, but just for the folks that still don't know, what is chronic wasting disease? Uh, you know, how's it? It's a prion. Give them the background just real quick, and then let's let's hit a few more of these frequently asked questions, you could say. Okay. Uh, chronic waste disease, as we've mentioned before, uh, CWD for short, um, is the prion disease of cervids. So that in Tennessee will be our white-tailed deer population as well as our elk populations. Um, there are other species in the United States, such as moose, elk, or moose um, black-tailed deer, and white-tailed deer that are also susceptible. Um, but uh, again, here in Tennessee, that's just going to be our white-tailed deer and our elk that are susceptible and what it is it's actually an infectious protein which is a little bit different than um what like a virus or a bacteria when when people think of uh, infectious diseases Uh, and essentially it gets in and has uh, predilection for the neurologic tissue so it accumulates in the brain um, and then causes basically what we call neurologic clinical symptoms so they're kind of walking in circles drooling they stop eating um, the disease itself, from the point of exposure and infection, um, it could take upwards of 10 to 18 months before we start seeing some of those clinical signs. And so it's kind of slowly progressive in terms of the disease in the animal. It's kind of insidious that way. Um, but uh, whenever it comes down to it, uh, you know, that animal's still out there and it's potentially shedding prions on the landscape, which are then infectious to uh, other, other animals in the area. Uh, once on the landscape, it's actually, you know, essentially we can consider it permanent on the landscape uh, because they're normal, normal things like sunlight, freezing, heat, drying out, 
those kind of things. Uh, they don't actually destroy the prion, um, not normal environmental conditions. Uh, the other thing that's kind of um, different about this disease is it's pretty much shed in every excretion that comes out of that animal. So it's shed in the saliva, shed in the urine, it's shed in the feces. Uh, it can be found in the blood, it can be found in the muscle, um, and uh, you know inside the lymph nodes, obviously within the CNS, which would be this uh, brain and spinal cord. Um, and so that's why a lot of the regulations that we look at are geared towards preventing the movement of some of those highly infectious materials. The most infectious is going to be uh, your, the, the lymphatic system as well, but primarily the CNS, in, um, so that's going to be your brain and your spine. And so that's why we're limiting carcass movements, uh, boned out meat only. Uh, we're looking at the things that might end up on the landscape and infect other animals. That's where we're allowing the meat to go out and the trophies to go out if they're cleaned appropriately. So one thing to mention with these new regulations you can still harvest your, your trophy buck. Uh, if you're going to do a European mount, we can get our sample out of it. If you're looking to do a shoulder mount, we can still get our sample out of it. It just would need to be caped out so that we can get access and we don't have to ruin the cape to do that. Or if uh, you know you cape it out and you do the V-cut, you can do all that and then just provide us with whatever's left over on the head. Because uh, the samples that we actually need for this are uh, lymph nodes that are actually behind the voice box. So they're kind of right, right in the throat area. Okay. Um, so as long as that area is intact, and as, as Joe said, leave about six inches of the neck so that we make sure that we get those lymph nodes. Um, and so again, just to emphasize, you know, you, there's, there's still mechanisms by which you can keep your trophy if you harvest a trophy animal. So. Okay. And some of the most valuable samples that we actually get will be off of some of these larger, older bucks. Uh, from research that's been done in multiple states that have had CWD for a while, the animals that tend to spread the disease are your older bucks. Um, and in your younger bucks that tend to wander, if they're infected, you know, as they're establishing their own home range, they might wander out further and spread the disease further. In general, you know, with, with deer populations, especially white-tailed deer, does tend to congregate around the matriarchal unit. And so does will stay together. So it'll be like a grandmother and her daughter and her daughter's daughters and all their daughters. They'll stay in a family unit. Mm -hmm. um, and so they're not as likely to wander, but they are a great sampling uh, resource for us also because it kind of gives us an idea of, of where there might be pockets of it. Um, but in terms of, you know, being able to get samples from every age and every sex at this point in time, now that we know we have an area of infection is, is critical. Um, it's a little bit different than our enhanced surveillance scheme, which was what basically helped us identify this disease. That was going to be one of my questions. Why are we finding it now? Yeah, yeah it's, and, and this year we uh, instituted a new enhanced surveillance uh, program. Our uh, dear biologist uh, um, came up with a, a, a great program. Basically, it's a risk-based surveillance program that's designated at the county level. And so each county and each region in the state um, had a set amount of samples that we needed, and it was based on the potential risks um, of there being CWD there. One of the biggest ones was, how close are you to a positive in the wild in another state? Um, and so in this area where we found it, the risk was already high because last year, or earlier this year, I should say, um, it was confirmed that there was CWD in Mississippi. And so the, the values for getting samples from those counties that are, we're now talking about in Hardeman and Fayette and McNary were actually increased. We needed more samples from there. Um, and so with that increased surveillance is, is the reason we were able to find it. So, 
you know, in terms of there's a lot of questions that we're probably going to get for surveillance outside of the zone. Mm -hmm. um, most of the other areas in the state, based on the statistical values, um, have actually, uh, we've reached uh, the goals in most of those counties. There's still a few counties that we're collecting samples out of, and some of the counties have actually exceeded that. Um, not all the tests are back, so it's kind of a little bit early to make an assessment of, you know, are we 100% free in the rest of the state? Um, until when we get all the tests back, we'll have a higher level of confidence that uh, we can say that it wasn't detected. Um, and we're looking, the scheme is set up to detect it at a 1% prevalence rate. Um, and so basically that means that if there's one in 100 deer that have it, in theory, with the way that the, the sampling is done, we should be able to detect that at that rate. Um, and then uh, we've got a 95% uh, confidence interval, which basically is statistical for saying we've got good confidence when we get our sample size that, that it is or is not there. So, Awesome. Man, you're covering a lot of this stuff. That's great. I mean, um, Jason, I had one thing. Go I right ahead, of, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, that I, that I wanted to add. So we, you know, we just uh, shared the recommendation that the agency shared with the commission that they then subsequently passed, where we're asking hunters to come share their sample with us uh, on those weekends, um, and then also the freezer program. Mm -hmm. So just want to make a point uh, of letting hunters know um, we will immediately call you if we have a detection in your deer for samples that you submit. Um, many we do not know the prevalence rate. All right, we don't know that. Um, we know that if we find it, it's more than 1% based on what Dr. Grove just said. But right. but there are many deer out there that are not, that the test will come back not detected. So they'll be safe to consume based on the CDC recommendations. Um, so the safe way to do the, the, the information for hunters is go ahead and have your deer processed, process it yourself, and then hold that meat. Um, we're working uh, rapidly on a way for the hunter to go back, look up his confirmation number, on a simple website, put the number in, and um, we'll have to figure out how to notify folks when we do updates of that, because as the results come back, we'll be posting those. So you could, it'd be a searchable way to check for your deer, um, and it'll be non-detect. If we detect it in your deer, you will, we will call you immediately. Uh, we will also probably offer to come get that deer uh, and dispose of that meat if, if, you, if you would like us to. Mm -hmm. So just, you know, we're asking hunters to come provide those samples. Um, we are also going to take care of you on the back end to help you understand what we found out from the sample from those deer. And speaking of that disposal, uh, if if your deer is positive or we don't recommend you eat that meat, or at least the CDC, correct, uh, recommends not to consume yeah. the and, meat, right? And just to clarify on that point, um, at this point in time, there's no confirmation confirmed uh, link between CWD, chronic wasting disease, and human disease. Um, there's been multiple research studies. We're still awaiting one that has not been published and peer-reviewed. They kind of conflict each other. So at this point in time, we just urge caution. Um, and so the CDC's recommendation is to not eat meat from a known infected animal. Um, and, and that's just that's to err on the side of caution. And so um, as an agency, we, we follow what the human health side of things tells us that they that the way they um, are viewing the situation and so that's kind of where we're going with it too because um, you know just to kind of clarify the uh, the test itself is not a meat quality assurance test mm -hmm. um, you know basically what we're trying to figure out is if the animal's infected or not and uh, ultimately you know we've got to make our own decisions as to what we decide to put in our bodies so 
I know there's probably some questions people have that we're not getting to or are not going to have time to answer fully today, but uh, one that I had, uh, if people see a sick animal, uh, do we suggest or do we encourage them to notify us? Absolutely. And I think, Jason, the best thing for folks to do would be to call the Regional Tennessee Wildlife Resources Agency office. Do you have that information? Yeah, I can pull it up. Go ahead and talk about it. So, right. So each region throughout the state has an office with a phone number that we can uh, provide here, Um, especially in Region 1, which is West Tennessee, uh, especially in those counties, those lower southwest county, uh, southwest part of the state counties, uh, we'll be coming out and trying to get those animals. Now, I realize that our staff are uh, there's a lot we have a lot going on and this adds to our workload so we'll make a reasonable effort uh, in other parts of the state but in these parts of the state we are probably going to come out and look at almost every sick animal we can so okay uh, one key thing is especially outside of the cwd zone there's a lot of sick animals anyway um as if you see one that is immobile it's imperative that you call us right if if they're sick and they're walking around it's hard for us to go out there and, f- and then the animal's gone. And so just be aware of that. When, when folks call in, if they can keep track of that um, and let us know if it's a mobile or not, mm-hmm. that would help out. But, but certainly, um, you know, if there was a clinical deer uh, that was sick, we'd want to get a sample from that, right. especially in that, that zone. Okay, tnwildlife.org is our website. Um, and then you can scroll down to the bottom of the, the page, the homepage. There's a button that says uh, Contact Us. Um, or contact the TWRA, so you can get contact information from that page. Region one, two, and three phone numbers are there. Or region one, two, three, and four phone numbers are there. So um, you can get a hold of us. You can also get a hold of the uh, Nashville office that way. So uh, another point I had is it's a marathon, not a sprint. I hear you say that a lot, Doctor Dan. And so tell us what you mean by that. Uh, you know, the reality is, is, uh, once it's on the landscape, it's on the landscape. And so there's, you know, you'll never, you know, hate to use the word eradicate. You'll never remove the potential infectious, the infectious disease off the landscape. And and that is literally and figuratively. I mean, you can try and remove as many deer as you can, but ultimately you're still going to have a source of infection on landscape and the environment potentially. Um, and so with that understanding, um, the management practices that we're, we're looking at doing and putting in place are long-term. We're not going to see a change or an impact in the disease itself, potentially, in the first year, first two years, first five years. You know, management goals are set for, you know, 5, 10, 15 years out. And so as we go through this, we're, we're going to create an adaptable management strategy so that as new things arise or new conditions arise, We'll be able to, you know, do what we need to do. Um, and the key thing is being adaptable and being flexible with it. So just, we're, we're in it for the long haul. That's what that means. Yeah. So. Okay. All right. Well, we'll just remember um, the uh, the new season or the, the CWD zone season that we're going to have January 7th through the January 31st. Um, the boundary, the, the uh, CWD unit, Fayette, Hardeman, and Erie Counties, correct? One more, one more thing, Go Jason. Ahead. Don't forget about cwdntennessee.com yes. or cwdntn.com. Either one will get you to all the information we have. This is an emerging issue. We're developing information rapidly. Uh, we want to share that with our hunters and the public at large. And so thank you, hunters, ahead of time for helping us uh, combat this, this disease as best we can. Yeah. Thank you guys for being here. Uh, like you said, cwdintennessee.com. Uh, you'll find all the information, all the latest information right there. You can sign up for email updates, and we'll get the information out to you as soon as we can, as soon as we have it. Uh, not trying to keep anybody in the dark, just uh, 
I'm going to be transparent and make sure y'all know what's going on. So appreciate you guys being here with us. Absolutely. Merry Christmas, y'all. Yeah, Merry Christmas, and we'll see y'all next time right here on Tennessee Wildcast. Thanks for tuning in. Stay connected with TWRA by visiting our website at tnwildlife.org. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Hey, it's all about Tennessee wildlife. It's what we do. Tennessee Wildcast will be on the air again next week. We'll see you then.